And now, the officials are ready. The fighters are in the ring and they are ready. Fight fans, are you ready? For the sold out, standing room only crowd here at Madison Square Garden and the millions watching around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, Damas y Caballeros, let's get ready to rumble! And it is Maestro Amilcar, Maestro A, Master A. And I've got a special edition here today of the Live at Five, the Leave It in the Ring Live at Five live cast that I usually do on Mondays. And special upload, just trying out something new today. There were a couple technical issues. So I'm just going to kind of preview a little bit of the episode and then kind of just jump right into it. So today was actually the first ever time that I've uh, done something that I've just started, which is a series called Overrated. And uh, today's Overrated was all about Triple G, uh, Gennady Gennadovich Golovkin, and his record and kind of how I feel. You know, he's a little bit overrated. And, you know, I'm saying that not in a disrespectful way at all. I've got a lot of respect for Triple G. I think um, he's a talented guy, had a great amateur record, obviously, you know, amateur world champion, Olympic silver medalist, I believe. And, you know, I think he's an exceptional talent, but it's just that some of the things that I've heard people say about Triple G are just kind of out of this world crazy. And I figured we'd kind of do a little bit of dive into his record and kind of explore it, compare it and contrast it and see where it sits and how it compares to some of the other talents out there and also whether or not, you know, what we're hearing about him and about his accomplishments in the ring really beat the test of truth. Let's just call it what it is, the kind of the truth test, the exploration into whether or not it is what it is. And, you know... Some of the stuff that you'll hear people say about Triple G, you know, ESPN ranked him the number two middleweight of the 21st century. I think that that's kind of huge. All right. Uh, let's look at that. Is he a Hall of Famer? Let's look at that. People have called him the best pound for pound fighter, at least one of the best pound for pound fighters. We can look at that. And oftentimes what you hear are things like, well, Triple G would have. You know, Triple G could have, if only this, if only that, you know, if only Martinez hadn't ducked him, which is another one of my favorite ones. So, look, I, I started thinking about this back in 2018 when uh, ESPN released a list of its top middleweights of the 21st century. And Hopkins was there, followed by Golovkin. And there were people behind Golovkin who I was like, really? These guys are ranked lower than Golovkin? And uh, one of them was Alvarez, Canelo Alvarez. We had uh, Sergio Martinez, uh, Kelly Pavlik, Jermaine Taylor. Uh, Danny Jacobs was on that list. Fair enough, because I was actually at the fight where uh, Jacobs lost uh, to um, Golovkin, obviously. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders, Arthur Abraham, Jermel Charlo. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, in retrospect, maybe, maybe – 
people might have thought that Charlo would lose to Golovkin. I don't see that now. And I don't know if I see him beating a prime Abraham or even Billy Joe Saunders, uh, to be honest with you. So, you know, a lot of that was discussed today. I had two guys on with me, uh, D, my man D from from out in Ohio, from a Speak Your Mind Sports Talk. I also had Hamed Zaman, um, who's, who's out there in the UK, who was very happy to uh, join me. And then we had some callers. Uh, call in what we have we usually have a pretty active chat in the leaving in the ring community whether it's uh, this show live on youtube or whether it's the flagship show on mondays with dave Duenas, or uh whether it's uh hispanics causing panic or hispanics causing panic on censored uh, respectively on tuesdays and wednesday evenings i'll actually be on hispanics causing panic tomorrow but yes the topic for today was triple g overrated and look i'll uh i'll just get uh right into it right and we'll just get uh right into it with uh with d kicking us off uh, in our chat this afternoon i said man Gennady Golovkin can beat the guys that was in front of him but he doesn't have a resume that is gonna thrill you he just doesn't he doesn't have a resume that's gonna thrill you and then, you know, it's, it's just sort of like Demetrius Andre and Devin Haney and all of these people where they say, well, nobody wanted to fight them. And I always say this, man. If nobody wants to fight you, move up and make it happen there. Like, Doug, he didn't have to hover around. He already accomplished a lot. And I'm talking about this is way before he got past it. He had already accomplished a lot. And nobody, man, Golovkin was big enough to go to 68. He just never pushed the pencil to go there. You mean, like, when he so, didn't put, he didn't, you mean when he didn't push for the ward fight? Right. I mean, and, and many other opportunities. You know what I'm saying, Emil? But, yeah, for sure. For sure. I feel you there. Like, oh, hey, like he could have went up and he could have fought. He could have fought Kovalev or earlier Kovalev. You know what I mean? He'd get Look, killed by those guys, but <laughs> Can I tell you yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, uh, man. Go ahead, bro. I, I, I was one of the guys that was very critical of the guy when he was fighting uh, those guys at Giel and all that. But once the Canelo fight was on the table, I'm going to be fair. Look, I, I've criticized the guy a lot. I'm also a fan. I was at the Cal Brook fight. And I would have went to more of his fights uh, if I could have. But he was fighting in America. I will say this. I wouldn't be too mad of him trying to pursue the Canelo fight because Ward was inactive and he he was uh, I need some background news. I'm just gonna say Ward was not fighting. The guy was inactive and Canelo was a bigger fight. There's more money on the table and let's let's be real. That was a better fight uh, in terms of as a fan. I'd probably rather see that because I was I thought a fight that could go either way with Ward. I thought Ward was too big and would have beaten him, but. After the first fight, that's where I think a lot of criticism deserves to go inside because he could have really unified, he could have done a lot of other stuff. And I know some of it is not his fault, like Canelo, Casting Dirty, and uh, what's it called? I think uh, he had like two weeks or three weeks before the May date to get appointed. He still he didn't have to fight on that date. Like he could have pulled out and then fought Billy Joe Saunders, who also pulled out, I think, of Ivan Murray. He could have fought Devichenko back then. I think he could have moved up around about that time as well. But I, I, I don't think moving up to fight guys like Ward and Kovalev, let's be real, I think he would have been beaten. And 
he's not as good as some people think, but at the same time, like, I wouldn't want him to fight guys that he's, he's got no business being in the ring with. I think if he moved up to fight guys like James DeGale, Badu Jack, those would have been good fights. I think he probably might have lost to some of those guys, but those are winnable fights. Uh, the thing I didn't like was once he fought Canelo the first time, there's a lot of, like, complaining, whinging, and then he goes and fights him again, and I agreed with what you said. Out those two fights, he got a draw and a loss. And if we're being realistic, I thought he won the first fight. But two of those three out of three scorecards in the first fight were reasonable scores. Like apart from the one eighty one ten, I thought you could argue it was a draw or seven five. But the rematch, I, I you can't argue. I meant, I meant, that's why I gave GGG his credit and the two uh, Canelo fights because I'm a huge Canelo fan, but. Like, I think they gave GGG the business in the first fight. As a Canelo fan, I think they gave GGG the business in the first fight. And I don't, if I see a fight where I say, okay, I think GGG could have won that fight, right? I don't give a damn what the judges say. I saw the fight myself. So I'm going to validate GGG. I gave GGG much more validation after that first fight with Canelo, because again, I couldn't yeah. see that being swung GGG's way. So if you if you know you're watching a the fight there and maybe the judges were favoring Canelo a little bit, forget about what the scores say. You know the judges favor Canelo, so give the man his respect. And that's why I give GGG his respect, because you could say he won that first Canelo fight. Forget about what well, the I, judges I, I did, I could say. He won the first Canelo fight. Like, I could I say did, he won the first but I thought it was close, closer than some people thought. I thought it was yeah. definitely competitive, but I thought the rematch obviously was much closer, and that's why I don't get the whole robbery. But I, I, I agree. I think outside Mayweather, I'd say probably Golovkin was the other guy. I think some people say Lara might have been the guy, but I'd have to rewatch that fight because that was a long time ago. But I just think the first fight, they were, you could argue that Canelo uh, definitely won five rounds. That's how I ended it, about 7-5. I think you could, when I was watching live, you could argue it could have been a draw, but that's if you want to be a bit generous. But, but I definitely I definitely think it's overblown, the whole robbery. Like To me, it, that would, it would have been a robbery if Canelo won that fight. And I know... Way overblown. It's yeah, way it's overblown, overblown. Oh, man. You know why? You know why it's so overblown? Because Go ahead. The GGG fans, I mean... They needed a valid win like that. If the judges would have put, like, you got to think about it. If the judges would have put that as a win for GGG, it changes his whole legacy. And yeah, that's why they felt so deeply about it being a robbery because that's, I mean, that's a completely valid. If he has that first win, say they have the rematch anyway, but he has that first win under his belt, that changes his entire legacy, fam. It changes yeah. his entire yeah, legacy. But let's also not forget the whole Clem Bluterol thing. When there's Pico levels of the shit in the guy's blood, you know, they traced, they traced it back to a restaurant in Mexico, okay? It, it was at a time when the entire Mexican football slash soccer team tested positive for the shit as well, right? And they're running around calling Canelo a drugs cheat. And, and you know, there's also the leaving, in the leaving the ring like a sore loser. There's a, yeah, there's I didn't like that. Over, over the years... But what really set me off, guys, was this whole consecutive title defense thing, which is why I have <laughs> on on the on, on the screen right now. Because anyone who's a fan of the sport knows that the people that have these records, okay, legitimately, are Hagler, Monzone, and Hopkins. 
and to try to you make can't, the, you can't you can't count the, sorry bro you can't count the interim I agree with you what was the interim or reg, regular belt or whatever the hell yeah I mean it, it's it's a it's an insult to 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 the boxing community to make the case that like these regular title defenses you know unified with the IBO title were somehow legit title defenses on par with what B-Hop did, on par with what Monzone did, on par with what, uh, obviously, uh, Hagler and others have done. I mean, it's crazy. It's like, got- it's like that 10 title defense shit they was doing with Wilder and then talking about Ali. Like, bro, are you serious? <laughs> Why are you talking about Wilder's yeah, 10 they're leaving defenses context. versus uh, uh, Ali's 10 defenses? It was just stupid. It's like, it doesn't compare. They don't compare. Yeah, no. I, I would say with that argument, at least they were title defenses. Although you can't compare it to Ali because back then there was only one belt. I agree with you, but with this, you can't you can't count a secondary tier belt to a guy who was making was Hopkins was making defenses of a fully fledged title. Then who the guy who became the undisputed champion? So uh, I think I think Golovkin is one of those fighters, that, and I, I know I've been around uh, YouTube and Twitter and seen how fans. Uh, Treat the guy. He's like one of those guys that w- which you can't even criticize to some degree. And uh, like just stating basic facts, like the guy. Let's be real. E- even if you thought he won the first Canelo fight, that Jacobs fight could have went the either way. Uh, the Jevchenko fight. I think he got the uh, he got the knockdowns in the fight. Maybe that helped him. But on another day, those both those fights could have went the other way. So the whole robbery situation, I think the only fight you could see he may, may have been the hard number in the first Canelo fight. And I, I don't even think it was. I think it's more to do with that one scorecard, which was so wide. Like, the rematch, I thought he lost fair and square. Like, if you're, if you're saying you're about a guy who does Mexican style and comes forward, then you shouldn't be backing up in the rematch and getting not walked down by this one guy. Not when you accuse Canelo of running. And then, <laughs> and when he did exactly what you wanted him to do in the rematch, then all of a sudden it, it's a problem. And look, the Devrinchenko, I had Devrinchenko winning that fight, okay? Mm, and yeah. the, at, at worst, that fight was as close as the as the first Canelo fight. That, I had a draw, I think. A draw. Uh, a score, a rewatched it and I had a draw. I scored one of the rounds even, but a lot of people had Devrinchenko winning. Yeah, but what I'm saying though, Hamed, is that it was at least as close as the the first Canelo fight. Yeah, and, and you got Triple G fans that literally say this guy won both fights like by a landslide. I'm sorry, it didn't happen that way. Well, I've seen some of the fans seeing the second fight. They had him winning eight or nine rounds. I don't know what fight they were watching. I I can't see how you could give the guy. Even eight, I think Harold Lederman had a bad night that night, giving him eight rounds. I think in the rematch, if you want to give every benefit, maybe you could give him seven rounds. But that that's the type of fight which could have went either way. I think I had a draw, but when I rewatched it, I had to give Canelo the benefit. And I think I gave him seven rounds because he was the one who's coming forward. And I was being consistent. The first fight, I thought Golovkin won about seven five. So the rematch was so close I think that was more of a fight that you could say was more of a draw if you want to be consistent but Canelo winning that fight was no in shape or form a robbery like Canelo if you look at both their faces after both fights uh, Canelo done much more work in the rematch on Golovkin's face I know that's not how you score fights but it was an indication that the second fight was a lot more 
what's the word? A lot more of a warn. Canelo was the one who kind of mocked him up. You know what I said earlier? I was just talking about these close fights like that. I said this. If you see a fight 7-5, which like that first fight that I saw with uh, Golovkin and Canelo. Canelo yeah. But any fight that I think that any of us, if we look at a fight and we see it as 7-5, I don't think you can get mad at a draw or it going the other guy's way, 7-5. Because yeah. with a 7-5 fight, this is what we have to realize. It's only one you that's calling it a 7-5 fight, but it's three different judges judging that fight. So a 7-5 fight, you can't really get so mad if it goes the other guy's way or if it's a draw. Now, if it's like 8-4, you see it clearly 8-4, then we can start complaining here. And in neither of those fights with Canelo nor GGG did I see an 8-4 for either guy. Right, so it, it, it was, really a, it was that depending on what you're scoring could have gone one way or the other. Now, this to me was kind of the, the ridiculous thing that first got me like, wow, people are just going crazy. And you're never going to see a dull fight with Gennady Golovkin. He's 100% box office every time. I'll give you the final word. What's your message to all your fans around the world watching right now? Trust me, guys. You know, just we'll bring the best fight for next time. All right, congratulations. 21 world title defenses in the middleweight division. No one has ever done that. Back up to Robert Flores. That was a PR. That, that was after. That that was, and, it was, and it was absolutely disgusting. How Eddie Hearn going to say, you'll oh never God. see a dull fight. But then Ganali come right behind him and say, well, we'll bring you a great fight the next time. Even he knew that fight with Sarah Metz. was bullshit. <laughs> that was priceless of him. That was priceless. Right. I mean, 21 title defenses, you know, I just like, do you not understand math? I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And like Nando in the chat brings up a great point, right? Which is that he had the option of fighting Devrinchenko to keep that IBF title. And rather or, than... Or Billy Joe. Or Billy Joe. And what did he do instead of that, man? He bend it, as they say in the UK. He fucking bend it. So that he could take on Vanis. Yeah. The, the, the thing is, uh, they always went out about they wanted all the belts. And he wouldn't have had to fight uh, Devachenko because uh, unifications trump mandatories. And he, he didn't get stripped even after the Vanis fight. I think he got stripped a couple of weeks after that. But if he negotiated and didn't deal with Bill Joe Saunders, they would have been fighting in the unification. In the end, he did what he accused others of. He chose the money, and I agree with you. You were saying the other day, like, uh, Sergio Martinez should never have been accused of ducking him because I look back at the timeline. I got a couple of Ring Magazine issues from 2012. When Sergio was fighting uh, Chavez, uh, Golovkin wasn't even ranked by Ring Magazine in September 2012 when he made his debut with Pro Proxa, I think. So I don't know where the whole ducking thing comes. I think the only guy you could say that maybe... The guys are kind of deductible. Guys are Quillen, and I, some of those guys are winning and really that good. So, and like your Eubank, and I think they're more or less the, some of those top 10 middleweights. But it, Canelo, as well, the whole two years, I think maybe you could say that fight could have happened one year earlier. But Canelo only beat Cotto at the end of 2015. So, the earliest that fight could have happened was probably in about May or September 2016. But that fight was always going to, I think, happen on a Mexican Independence Day. Maybe they could have done it about, like a year earlier, but Canelo, I say again, like Canelo fought him twice, so 
you can't really accuse someone of ducking a guy when he ends up fighting the same guy twice. And 2017, he was as close as near to his prime as he was, and that was a close competitive fight, I think. There's also, there's also the argument that has come up quite regularly amongst Triple G fans that everyone was ducking him up to Sergio Martinez. And, you know, uh, Nopal sent me a post by a guy named John Castellanos who really outlined this perfectly. He says, look, Martinez won the WBC title by beating Kelly Pavlik in uh, April 2010. 14. 2010, yes, 2010. 2010. Yeah, 2010. And four months later, Triple G was barely even fighting for the vacant interim WBA title. Fast forward to September 2012, a fight that many of us credit Sergio uh, Martinez as being his last good performance and one that actually ruined him versus Chavez Jr. At that same time, Triple G was barely fighting for the vacant WBA regular title, which we all consider a fake belt. Yeah, uh, that, 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 that Martinez-Chavez was a big pay-per-view fight. If you remember that night, Canelo was fighting uh, Jose Cito Lopez. That was on a like, Showtime card, which was also in Vegas, which I don't think did as good as they thought. But th- that Chavez fight did like half a million pay-per-view buys. And at the same time, later that month, uh, Golovkin makes his debut, I think, on a HBO After Dark card. So... That that was where the positions of the career was. You gotta like we gotta t- t- look back. Like they were one guy was coming towards the end of his career, and the other guy was just making his name in America. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, I I I, I just don't understand that. And then you know, you fast forward to to June of 2014, which was uh. Oh, yeah, which was the Cotto win, right? And what was he doing then? What was Golovkin doing then? Well, he was still the vacant WBA uh, regular champ, right? And it was a month after that that he beat Daniel Gale to be yeah. elevated to WBA super champ. So that's the period when people say guys like Golovkin, uh, sorry, guys like uh, Martinez were ducking him. Nobody's been ducking this guy. No, Sergio Martinez had in, uh, surgery after the Chavez 12th round. He got dropped. And then he had a homecoming fight with Martin Murray. Really, he was done after that. I don't think he was going to fight because the only option on the table was Golovkin. But what happened was, and that wasn't really a big fight uh, for him, he considered. Uh, Cotto, I think, came and beat Daniel Gill. I think it was maybe at a catchweight. And then that kind of prompted him to fight Gill. I think that's what happened, if I'm correct. I can't really remember the exact time frame. Maybe the Gil fight might have been after the Martinez fight. But anyway, uh, the Cotto and Sergio Martinez fight was talked about. That was a big pay-per-view fight. It maybe it was one fight too many for Sergio because he was like the guy had bad knees. But th- that's the only fight he came back for. And then he retired for like, what was it, five or six years. So I, I personally don't think that was a duck. No, it, it wasn't a duck. Now, here's my question for you guys, right? Uh, they rank both Pavlik, ESPN does, and I'll bring up ESPN's top list of middleweights here again so everyone can see it. They've got Hopkins at number one, Golubkin at number two, Alvarez at number three, then they've got Martinez, Pavlik, and Taylor. Let me hear you, your guys' thoughts, because I'm not convinced that he beats Taylor or beats Pavlik. I'm just not. What about you guys? Is D still on or no? I think D's still here. Yeah, I'm here. I was just, I got a All few because right. uh, I had some All background right. noise. 
I don't know. I, I, I'll just give a brief talk. I thought Taylor was better than uh, Danny Jacobs in terms of uh, accomplishments. Like you said, he beat Hopkins twice. Maybe he was a bit lucky to get the draws and decisions against Winky Wright and uh, the other guy. I forgot his name. Corey Spinks. Anyway, Taylor, overall, whatever you say, was a better fighter than Jacobs. Maybe not in terms of if you want to go ring IQ and stuff like stamina and dedication. Outside the ring, I think Jacobs is the more what's it called, uh, dedicated fighter. But on paper, he Taylor was more accomplished. He was actually even to a champion. Beating Golovkin style-wise, I'm not sure. He, he put Froch down. That was something no one had done. And if you look back, until Froch fought Groves, Taylor could punch. And I think right. Taylor, I know he didn't look good against the smaller guys. I do think Taylor was a good fighter. It's just the guy's uh, problems outside the ring, I think, caught up with him. And in the end, we've seen oh, like, how that's had a long effect. At his best, the one that fought Hopkins and Pavlik, I know he got knocked out by Pavlik, who was a big guy. I could see him definitely giving uh, Golovkin a good fight. But I, I'm not sure with Taylor. I don't know what, we, what we're going to get. He was a bit hot and cold, so I'd probably favour Golovkin in that fight. But I could definitely see if someone thought Taylor could beat him because Taylor could box it. If Taylor boxes, he could definitely outbox him. I thought Taylor was better than Danny Jacobs, and we've seen how close and competitive that fight was. Yeah, I don't think, honestly, bro, I don't think uh, GGG beats Pavlik or Taylor. Maybe I don't either. I, 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 I feel public. Yeah, I, I also I also don't know if he thinks if he beats Winky Wright. To be honest with you, hell no. No way, not Winky Wright. But I mean, Taylor and Public give you something to think about. We start talking week Winky Wright, you know, and then then they you want to talk about a Golovkin jab, right? You know, because they always praise but uh, I don't want to hear nothing about Golovkin's jab when you put him in there with Rinky Wright. He's going to get out jabbed all night by Winky. The thing with Winky is he would have a size disadvantage, but uh, if you look at him, the way he fights, Golovkin would have to box him. I don't think he's knocking yeah, Winky out. Way better the boxing thing, yeah, the thing, the thing is, Winky, he took off three, four years and he lost to Paul Williams, but Paul Williams had like five, six, seven, eight... Reach advantage on the guy. Like, Paul so, Williams was a yeah. beast. It's yeah, not he's like a big guy. Was a scrub. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And Paul Williams also throwing a lot of punches. I think he threw over a thousand. I, I definitely think Hopkins would have beaten Golovkin. The other guys, I think you could make an argument. I just can't see Hopkins losing to Golovkin. I think Hopkins would slow the pace down, and I just think he'd make it so boring and one-sided, well, not one-sided, what's the word? So, like, uh, the pace would be slowed down so much that I think it'd be a fight that Hopkins, uh, whether or not he gets a decision, I just think he'd outbox him and frustrate him, but I can't see Golovkin beating Hopkins or Hagler. The other guys you could argue back and forth, I personally don't think he'd beat Hopkins. And I think even Sergio Martinez, I probably would, in his prime, I would favor him to beat. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Sergio, I would too. Hop, I mean, I don't. Was Hagler on that list? If Hagler was even on that no, list, probably need to go jump off a bridge. He wasn't. He wasn't on the list. To be kind of fair to ESPN, they were saying of the twenty first century, right? So uh, they they wouldn't have included Hagler in that. They were just including like the Hopkins era to now. You know, um, pretty much everyone uh, since two thousand. 
But but yeah, yeah. yeah. Tommy Hines and Hagelin, those guys, they would have beat the living hell out of Triple G. <laughs> yeah, the, Tommy Hines would have been a good fight. Man. Tommy Hines is a lot of people talk about his chin and that, but Hagler had to go life and death to you know get the guy out of there. That that would have been a good fight. I think Hines is a guy that I think uh, some people underrate him. Some people I think give him his credit because I think. Hens would have beaten a guy like Mayweather as well. I don't, I don't know how people could say a welterweight. Mayweather beats a guy like Hens. That's a dis- discussion for another day. But yeah, I definitely could see the argument. I do think you could make a good argument that he'd beat guys like Pavlik and Taylor. Although, out the two, I would say Pavlik would have size, height, and a lot of uh, advantages over Golovkin. So Pavlik's the one I would favor because even Sergio Martinez in his prime had trouble. I think he got dropped and... In the end, I think it's just due to due to the cuts that public got overwhelmed. But the other guys like Hopkins, I just can't see how you could argue you beat Hopkins. So let's talk about him in present time and not just historically. Like, what happens with Triple G versus a guy like... So there you go. And um, that was kind of the show. We got into a lot more topics related to... Triple G, kind of where he sits in the sport right now, as well as a deeper discussion into how he should be ranked and viewed historically. If you like what you heard, you can obviously subscribe. I'd like you to check me out on YouTube at Maestro A. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-A. Once again, my name's Maestro Amilcar, which is Master Amilcar. I am a, a phys ed teacher by trade. I'm a public school teacher here in New York City. And yeah, we talk boxing on my channel. And uh, so please come back, join us again, and check us out on YouTube. And next time you hear me, it will be a full episode.